I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and today I welcome back to the Live Better Longer podcast, Fox speech language pathologist, Steph DeMello. Steph, welcome back. And happy Better Hearing and Speech Month. Thank you. You doing yeah. anything to celebrate? My birthday's this month, too. So it's big. Oh, wait. When's your birthday? May 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> Star Wars Day. Yep, Star Wars Day. But I'm, I have to admit, I'm not a fan. That's fine. I, You know what? I respect Star Wars, but I wouldn't consider myself a fan either. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. Then. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the movies, but I'm not I'm not diehard. I think I've only seen the first one or two. So it's it's, it's fine. <laughs> we're we're gonna get some hate comments for that though. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are going to talk about working with patients who have dementia. Yep. And you wrote an article for our website. So if you would go to our website, foxrehab.org, and you would look under the tab Fresh Fox Content, you would find this article. However, either the article came out first and then the podcast or vice versa. So as of now, I think that the podcast is going to be released first, but that could always change. Okay. But I, I would use it. What I would do is I would listen to this podcast and I would think to myself, wow, that's really interesting. When the article is published, I'm going to read that to dive a little deeper. I, that's what I hope. I mean, I hope my art, my article is a little bit more in depth than we get on here. So a little bit more, um, I think it's more focused towards therapists and treatment ideas versus like, you know, us just having a conversation. Okay. But I, I do want to go through your steps. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. So talk about the challenges working with a patient who has dementia. So you could feel like one day you have made so much progress and then walk in the next day and you're like, where did all that progress go? Where did all of that? We were just doing so well. And, and now they don't even remember who I am. They don't, you know, they don't remember they were carrying over their strategies of proper hand placement. And now they don't even remember how to do it or they're walking around without their walker. So it can get frustrating. And, especially when I work primarily in SLCs and caregiver education and you're educating the caregiver and trying to keep them up to date and then something changes and there's a setback or a change in status and you have to readjust and re-educate the caregiver and you feel like you're starting over from square one. It's more of the, the changes, the inconsistent changes and the, and the, ebbs and flows of working with dementia. So for families who may not totally understand dementia, 
clinically, why is it that there are these challenges? Every patient is slightly different. They have the the memory loss. So something that affects them could be word finding and they're having difficulty with word finding and that's part of their memory issue or they're not able to remember a loved one's name and that's part of their memory issue. They could be sundowning. It could be something metabolic going on. So it's kind of a, who knows, it's, you have to put the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out what is really impacting that person and causing these changes. Now, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're stable and you see the same progress, like straight across the board. Sometimes they change, fluctuate every day. That almost puts you in the shoes of their family members. Cause if you're getting frustrated as a clinician, imagine what they're going through on a day by day, hour by hour basis. And you know, you, we've talked about my grandmother too and dealing and dealing. So on a family level, like I see it with her all the time, my mom, you know, with my mom dealing with her. And it definitely does as therapists as well, because you kind of, you never know what you're going to get. So you put together in your article, effective tips on how to communicate with patients who have dementia. And I love that you let off with the Tipa Snow quote, dementia does not rub someone of their dignity. It's our reaction to them that does. So why did that quote speak to you? Ah. Several reasons. I Tipa Snow does the best continuing ed courses. She is so good at getting you engaged and getting you just to understand how the patient is feeling. And so the, number one, I think any therapist can relate to her when talking about dementia because she's so iconic in the field of dementia. And, and number two is if you've worked at an SLC and you've walked in and you've seen these caregivers who you have the patient who's looking for their home and they just turn and they say, this is your home. And you're like, Oh, don't say that. to Yeah, them. no. So it, it's kind of speaks to the whole, to our therapist as a whole, because it's the educational part. It's the, it's the daily struggles. And it, you know, we need to remember that, how we react to them is very important. You're a great clinician just for saying that. Because my biggest thing, whenever I go to a doctor, whenever I'm in a clinical setting, it bothers me when people don't care. And I'm like, no, you have to care. Right, exactly. And it's you want to be heard. And the problem with dementia is they're maybe not always able to tell us what they're trying to express. And you... As therapists, that's kind of our job to figure out what, at least as speech therapists, like what the problem is and how we can help them express that. So let's go through your steps. Now, for your article, I believe you put eight down. Now, totally up to you. We could go through all eight today, but maybe you don't want to spoil things for your article or you want people to go to the website. We could do five. We could do all eight. What do you want to do? Um... You're going to hold back on me? I, n- no. We could do all eight, but I'm going to kind of lump some of them together versus like where in the article I break them apart. Okay. So do you want I, do you want to lead this discussion? Because I have the eight steps right here. No, go ahead. You do okay, it. Okay, all right. I want to see what your questions are. Okay. 
So this is one through eight. Once again, effective tips on how to communicate with patients who have dementia. If you would like to dig deeper, you can go to foxrehab.org, click on the Fresh Fox content link, and you can read uh, Steph DeMello's article. All right, so the first tip on how to effectively communicate with a patient who has dementia, establish a connection. You want them to trust you. Yes. Yeah, that's huge because... If you walk in and you meet a new patient and they have no buy-in to your therapy session, no trust, no feeling like that they can relate to you, they're just going to shut down and not participate and not do anything. There's got to be a buy-in. Yeah. You gotta, you have to have that patient buy-in and caregiver buy-in too, but primarily with the, you know, with the patient, especially with, you know, who has dementia because- if they don't like you or if they don't think that you're warm and friendly or someone who can be trusted, they're just going to sit there and, sh- and shut down. Yeah. And if you're a clinician that doesn't care, there's no way that you're going to establish a connection. No, I, not necessarily with my time with at Fox, but I've been all over the place. But in pre- watching other clinicians in other settings, especially when I was in skilled nursing, it's like. Their business. They're there. Yeah. In and, out. and that is very, you could tell by the patient, like they wouldn't walk for them. They wouldn't do this. And then I come in and build this connection and they're like, how did you get them to do that? Well, it took the time <laughs> to listen to them. Because <laughs> I was nice. All right. So tip number two, simplify your language. Be simple yep. and clear. Simple. No sarcasm. No complex sentences. Nope. Don't ask, you know, let's go for a walk down the hall and then turn around and come back to your room. Let's go for a walk. Follow me. Don't add more words than you need to add. And how long did it take you to figure that out? That probably came, that was, came from Tipa Snow. So I, Ah, it it was from one of her courses because like I said, I started off in a different, in a different area. And really started to focus on dementia when I started with Fox. So that came from her and doing one of her, her class, one of her classes. I actually remember sitting, this is so, this is funny in my townhouse in Philadelphia when I, back when I lived in the city watching, I was up in my bedroom and my husband was downstairs and watching the, her continuing ed like in the bedroom doing it and like was so into it. And could, I just, I have the memory of sitting there doing that. So. Now, have you met Tipa Snow? No, but I wish, I wish. All right, we're going to make that happen at some point. I would love that. Because the way you talk and write about her, I'm like, all right, we got to get Steph and Tipa in the same room together. I love her. Okay. I love- so uh, tip number three, be patient. And can you explain, because within your article, you talk about the 90 second rule. So what is yeah. the 90 second rule? So the 90 second rule is asking a patient or giving them a command, waiting 90 seconds before you cue them or repeat the question. So if I asked someone, what is your daughter's name? I'm going to wait 90 seconds for them to answer before I say her name starts with an M. She, you know, before I start giving them the clues, because there's research that shows that it takes your brain, a person with dementia's brain, 90 seconds to process the question, find the answer, and answer you. That does take patience. 
Yeah. So, and 90 seconds is so much longer than you ever thought it was. Oh, no. 90 seconds is a long time. It's a long time. (laughs) Yeah, I'll sit there and, you know, sometimes the caregivers will butt in and they're like, well, her name is Mary. And I'm like, no, like it's only been 30 seconds. You're like, shut up. I'm doing the 90 second roll. (laughs) As nicely as I can. (laughs) (laughs) Although sometimes I think my face will just be like... (laughs) I'm working here. I'm doing something. All right. So tip number four, verbal cues, as in repetition, prompting, and short instructions. Yes. And for, you know, for speech therapists, that's kind of second nature for us. And so I don't know how many physical therapists or occupational, you know, they think of repetitions and maybe a directive, but not necessarily knowing the extent of our verbal cues that we kind of specialize in as speech therapy. So, you you know, like being descriptive and describing exactly what you want. Like if you're explaining a game, you want to describe the steps, not just give them the, the rules, you know, give them examples, show, show them how you use those rules while playing a game. I like that. You got to let it sink in. Yeah. That brings us to number five on your list, visual aids. So how does that help communicate with a patient who has dementia? So that is, you're adding on top of the verbal, you're adding a visual. And just like in school, people are auditory learners, people are visual learners. So adding that extra step, you know, that the patient... I could talk at you all day long, but that doesn't mean you've absorbed everything. But if I'm telling you how to play a game and I'm showing you pictures of how to play the game and I'm showing you different things or showing you moves on the board, then you have a visual idea of how what I'm saying and not just abstractly visualizing it. I like that. So it's not just talking. It's also visual as well. Right. Right. Number- and, and visuals can be used in different ways, too. Like you could make a video of the exercises and the caregiver could show the video to the patient to do your home exercise program. You could do, um, have photos of family members maybe, and then write a caption that says like, make sure you do your exercises and it's the family. You could do different things like that to kind of engage the patient. And then that brings us to number six on your list. This kind of goes back to step number one, use positive language. Yes. Yeah. So step number one, these were the two I was thinking I could lump together when I was saying I'll lump a few of them together. Um, You don't want to be negative and confrontational. And if they do something wrong, say, no, that's wrong, because then they're just going to shut down. But just say, oh, you know, that I liked how you did, did that, but let's try it like this and not try to have that hard edge that sometimes we can get when we're busy running through the day and and you could also lump that in with being patient too. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes, all goes hand in hand. And not only is this a good list to effectively communicate with a patient who has dementia, this is just great communication. And I think it's also things that like we need to tell caregivers too, family members. Yes. Like, to, to, so it's it can be used for educational as well. And then tip number seven reminiscence therapy take me through this so this is as 
speech pathologists, this is probably what we do the most because we're working with memory. We're trying to do the trying to engage those positive experiences in life and trying to get them to have, you know, it also goes to building the connection and creating that positive memory, that positive, whatever it was, activity, whatever they did, that, that positive experience. And, you know, so incorporating that in your therapy session. I talk about in my article a little bit, like if there's a, if they love music, finding the music that they love to help engage them. If they have a granddaughter or a grandson that they love trying to maybe have them have a memory book and have them, you know, identify them in the memory book and that kind of thing. Now, is it true that when you have dementia, it's probably different for everyone, but the things that you learn early on or remember early on stay with you the longest? Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's kind of falls under short-term and long-term memory. And I always explain it to patients that your long-term memories have been solidified over your, over so many years, because a lot of times patients will say to me, well, I can remember what happened to me in elementary school, but if you ask me what I ate yesterday, I have no idea. So I always explain to them, like, you can remember those experiences because you remembered a childhood experience every year. You recalled your fifth birthday every year. Yes. Your birthday comes around from repetition. The time so that's exactly the remnant. So the long-term memories have become solidified because it's something that you keep remembering where just meaning me yesterday, I'm new. You have no, until you build that connection with me, you're not going to remember me. Right. Or as dementia patient, you know, or in Alzheimer's, the short-term memory is not as strong. So they may never remember me. Right. And that's okay. But those, when I read songs, I thought, wow, like if you played me a song, it would zoom me back to whatever year that song oh. came out and all those memories that were going on at that time. Yeah. Ace of Base, I saw the sign. I, <laughs> yeah. 1993. Yeah. I, was at a, I was at a homecoming dance. <laughs> oh, I was rollerblading in my parents' basement to it. <laughs> and that brings us to number eight on the list. And by the way, that's the second time Ace of Base has been shouted out on the Live Better Longer podcast this year. <laughs> this year. It's an iconic, an iconic <laughs> song. <laughs> so number eight is keep a routine. So you don't want to throw them on something new. And I know part of what we do, we don't want to necessarily make our therapy look the same because we want to keep varying and try different things. But if you can keep the same structure to your therapy, where maybe you do a memory task and then you do a little fun activity and then you do another memory task, but you keep that structure and you can change the tasks, but keep that structure every therapy session, then they know what to expect. But that can go also to the assisted living environment or the home environment. And, you know, breakfast is always around nine and then they know what to look for because that gives them some structure to their day. I would say routines give comfort. I am a creature of routines and habits. So even not having memory loss. No, I know. Yeah. I like the. I need the routine, the structure. It's like, if it gets thrown off, forget it. Yes. It's, it's like, like Especially you, with having kids, forget it. 
Okay. Well, well. Speaking of kids, so we went through your eight steps, and thank you for giving all eight. I know you could have yeah. said, "I'm going to give four, and then go to my article to read the other four. So we got all eight. But if you do want to dig deeper, like I said, you can go to foxrehab.org, go to Fresh Fox Content, and then you can read Steph's article. It may be on the website right now. It may be coming out soon. All right. So let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, I have a. Some kid questions for Steph. Okay. <laughs> if you're game, if you're game. All right. So as we take a quick break, just a reminder that on Thursday, May 18th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have a can't miss webinar for you. Fox Rehabilitation will be teaming up with the... Dr. Carol B. Lewis for the webinar, Finding a Job with Purpose. I know there are a lot of students right now on the verge of graduation. Then they'll study for their boards. Then they'll look for that first job. How do you find a job with purpose? Dr. Carol B. Lewis, she found one. She is a legend in her field. And not only that, not only is she a legend, in physical therapy and geriatrics. She is a fantastic public speaker. She has lectured in 49 different states. She has lectured around the globe. So do not miss this webinar. Guess what? Won't cost you a penny. All you have to do is register for it. You can do that on our website, foxrehab.org. And you can also do it in the event section on Fox Rehabilitation's LinkedIn, and or Facebook pages. So Dr. Carol B. Lewis, she'll be breaking down how you find a job with purpose, and she'll also be talking about her brand new YouTube channel. It is called Exercise for Aging Well. She posts a different exercise video every single week. So if you wanna be clinically excellent and stay clinically excellent, you gotta watch these weekly videos from Dr. Carol B. Lewis. And the at tag for YouTube is at exercises, the number four, aging. And once again, her YouTube channel is called Exercise for Aging Well. So there you go. You've got a YouTube channel to visit and you've got a webinar to register for happening once again on Thursday, May 18th. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. I am speaking with Steph DeMello, Fox speech language pathologist, fitting that we have an SLP during Better Hearing and Speech Month. So you talked about kids and how, you know, when you throw a kid in the mix, things get a little crazy. Very crazy. So Steph, you've got another one on the way. I do, yep. <laughs> Yeah, August. So what have people told you? Are you ready? What are you expecting? What's going through your mind? So everyone has said the second one's not going to be like your first. The second one's going to be wild. The second one's, and I'm like, oh my gosh, don't tell me this. Don't like. Really? I think the second is chiller. Okay, good. And your training's already done. You already know how to raise a kid, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. With your first kid, you're starting from scratch. And that's the the first one. I think it's so unknown. 
and you're you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. You you may think you know, but you never know until you actually do it. And that, which sound, I learned, that sounded like a movie quote. You think you know? You don't yeah, know. <laughs> it's so true though. We I like thought I had it and then he's like up at 3 a.m. screaming and I'm like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> now, can I ask, how old is your son? He is going to be two in July. So. Oh, oh boy, Steph. Yeah. yeah. yeah All be, right. It's good. You know, hey, you know, double diaper duty. They'll be exactly, almost exactly two years apart. Two years, two weeks apart. But okay. are you, are you all set? Nowhere no. near as oh. prepared as I was. Okay. All right. I like with my son, we had the nursery ready, everything. I, I don't think we're going to be ready before the baby comes. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you got the crib. Did you save the old crib? That's what we're waiting because we want to transition my yeah. son to bed. So it's like, but, but you've yeah. got, you've got all the gear. That's yeah. I have that stuff, but like, I think I, with my son, I feel like I was like, I had everything like washed and folded and ready and like two months before he was born. And now I'm like, Oh, well, <laughs> cause I, this is also a girl and we have a, we, have a boy so i like i have to go out and buy some little girl stuff and i haven't even done it all right well you know i i i have i have faith in you because like i said your training is complete that's that's what i'm banking on jim yeah now the only thing i was i was happy and a little disappointed you don't get a shower for the second kid maybe you're gonna get a shower for the second kid but I like that you could get all that free stuff. You're like, oh, I don't I, have to worry about that because everyone's giving it to me. Yeah, sometimes they do sprinkles, but I don't think I'm gonna be having one. Okay. So, but, but you would think like your hardcore peeps would hook you up with some stuff. That's every all my friends have already had. You know, they're like, oh, we had our girl, we're done, we're not having any more. So like, my one friend's handing me down all of her baby stuff. So it's like, you know, I'm like, all right. I, I'm not really that worried about it. All the best with baby number two. Thank you. You have a great, enjoy. if I don't talk to you, have a great summer. Yes, thank you, Steph. <laughs> Steph DeMello, my mellow Steph DeMello. So, for Steph DeMello, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yens later. Later.